This is Hacker Public Radio, episode 4240 for Friday, the 1st of November, 2024. Today's show is entitled, The First Doctor, Part 1. It is part of the series Science Fiction and Fantasy. It is hosted by Ahu Khan and is about 15 minutes long. It carries a clean flag. The summary is, a look at the first season of Doctor Who. Hello, this is Ahuka, welcoming you to Hacker Public Radio and another exciting episode in our new series on science fiction and fantasy. And I'm going to continue now with looking at the early Doctor Who, um, with taking a look at the first Doctor and the first season. Um, so last time we went into some detail about the very first episode and how that came to be and put in some background. Um, but we're going to pick up the pace a little bit now. I'm actually going to cover the rest of season one in this episode. Um, and so the next thing we're going to talk about, the next story we're going to talk about is called the Daleks. Now, the intention of the show's creators was that they would alternate between historical stories and futuristic science stories. So, following the historical story of the cavemen, they wanted some science fiction. This ended up being the Daleks, even though Sidney Newman had said he didn't want any bug-eyed monsters in the show. But as it happened, they didn't have another script ready to go. This happened more frequently than you might imagine in the early days of the show. The weekly schedule was generally to rehearse the episode Monday through Thursday, videotape it on Friday, and broadcast it on Saturday. Then the following week, do it again with the next episode. And they were on a relentless schedule, uh, since the first season was comprised of 42 weekly episodes. They did not have the luxury of a backlog of scripts that were ready to go, let alone a chance to get ahead in shooting the shows. In fact, this was extremely close to live television. It was videotaped the day before it was broadcast, but the idea was that the cameras would roll without stopping because a stop would just cost more money. If an actor desperately wanted to stop and redo a scene, the trick they used was to utter an obscenity because then the director would be forced to stop shooting. Now, the script that was available and ready was called The Daleks and was written by Terry Nation. He based the Daleks on the Nazis and their obsession with exterminating other races. Uh, but he had nothing to do with the look of the Daleks. This was originally going to be done by a designer named Ridley Scott, who went on to be a famous director. But when he had a schedule conflict, the job went to Raymond Cusick. Now, the way copyrights worked at this point at the BBC, Terry Nation retained the copyright to the Daleks, and he became very wealthy as a result. Cusick, on the other hand, got his weekly paycheck from the BBC. To this day, no one, not even the BBC, can use the Daleks without buying a license from the estate of Terry Nation. As to the plot of the story, after escaping from the Stone Age, the TARDIS and... TARDIS is an acronym. It stands for Time and Relative Dimensions in Space. And that's the name of that police call box they travel in. And it takes them to the far future where they meet the Daleks. 
It seems that the TARDIS has landed on the planet Skaro, where two opposed races have waged nuclear war, and one of those races has mutated into the Daleks, who live inside mechanical boxes. The other race, the Thals, are essentially blonde beauties who have become very pacifistic, which is an odd choice when facing the Daleks who are out to exterminate you. So the TARDIS crew has got to work on the Thals to get them to fight back against the danger of the Daleks, which they do, and then eventually they make their escape in the TARDIS. Now this story plays out over seven episodes, which I would say is at least one too many. There is, for instance, a long sequence of the Thals being led by Ian through a cave system to attack the Daleks, and that whole thing is seriously plodding. In any case, the story ends with the Daleks supposedly exterminated themselves, but the characters were so popular they had to be brought back. And ever since then, they have been supposedly wiped out many times and always managed to come back as a horde of evil. Now, following the science fiction story of the Daleks, the next story should have been an historical one but it was a sprawling seven-part story that was not quite ready. So the script editor, David Whitaker, whipped up a quick two-parter to fill the gap while the historical story was made ready. And that was The Edge of Destruction. In this story, there is a small explosion which knocks out people in the TARDIS, and when they come to, they have slight amnesia and start acting strangely. Eventually, Barbara gathers enough clues to force the Doctor to find the problem, which is a broken spring in the fast-return mechanism, which, instead of taking them back to Earth, kept going and took them back to the beginning of time. The strange things happening to them are explained as the TARDIS trying to warn them. The Doctor fixes the switch and everything goes back to normal. In terms of story, this is completely skippable. But it is worth watching for seeing Susan turn violent and paranoid. There's a scene where she takes scissors and starts stabbing the bed. Initially, you think she's going to stab people. Uh, So after that, we get the historical story, which was Marco Polo. And that was the one that needed more time. And the plot is that the doctor is supposed to be trying to get everyone back to 1963 London, but it seems he's not entirely capable of navigating the TARDIS. So they kind of bounce around a lot. Uh, In this case, they end up in 13th century Central Asia, where they meet up with Marco Polo. Polo has been entrusted with a mission for the Great Khan, but political infighting is the backdrop. Now, a difference in this story is that it takes place over a number of weeks in story time, whereas most Doctor Who stories are no more than a few days. Now, this is one of the stories that no longer exists in video form. One of the things about the early uh, stories is that the BBC at one point thought it would be a great idea to reuse the videotapes because it would save money. Like I say, the BBC was very cheap in those days, and they were pinching pennies everywhere they could. And because of that, a number of shows have been lost from the early days. You know, people have been trying to recapture as many of these as they can, um, and every once in a while something shows up. 
Um, for example, since Doctor Who was shown in a number of foreign markets, um, they would occasionally find like a storeroom in Nigeria where, you know, this was supposed to either be destroyed or shipped back to the BBC, but it just sat in the storeroom. Um, and you know, other places, Hong Kong or wherever. Um, sadly, Marco Polo is not one of those rescued shows. Now, there is a team that is working on recovery, um, you know, primarily a company called Loose Cannon. Um, and what they do is they use production stills and audio recordings of the programs to put out reconstructed versions, which is how I watched this program. Now, from what I can see, um, it was gorgeous. And to this day, I think it ranks as the number one story fans want to recover. And some missing episodes of other stories have been replaced by animations from Planet 55 Studios. Now, I've, I've put links to some of these things here in the show notes if you want to follow up on any of that. Now, what has enabled all of these alternatives is the, that many fans recorded the soundtracks of the episodes when they were first broadcast. And those soundtracks are the basis for animations and reconstructions. Now, this problem has seriously affected the stories of the first two doctors, William Hartnell and Patrick Troughton. Now, starting with Doctor Three, who is John Pertwee, we have all of the episodes. Um, now, some of Pertwee's were, uh, what they had left was a black and white, even though the story was originally in color, but they have been able to go back and colorize those. So, uh, but we do have all of the stories, more or less, as they were broadcast. Now, the story after this uh, is The Keys of Marinus. Um, now, we just had a historical, so now we do a science fiction. All right. The Keys of Marinus is kind of a confused jumble of a story. Uh, it's set on the planet Marinus, where you have a peaceful race who have developed something uh, called a conscience machine that erases all of the baser human emotions like greed, hatred, and violence. But they are opposed by an evil race, the Vord, who are devoting themselves to taking over. But first they need to control the conscience machine. Five keys are necessary to operate it, and the five keys are dispersed. So our travelers have to regain all five, which means a travelogue adventure where each episode is set in a different environment. Now, you might notice that the doctor seems to be missing for a few episodes here. And when that happens, Usually what it meant is they wanted to give the actor a vacation break. Um, so when these stories were done, it was, it was really pretty much a full year-round schedule. Now, fortunately, Ian and Barbara carry things just fine. Uh, one of the episodes has brains in jars, and that's kind of a lot of fun. Um, but doesn't the bad race out to destroy good race remind you a bit of the Daleks? And wouldn't you know, Terry Nation is also the author of this one. Now, coming between two outstanding historical stories, Marco Polo and the Aztecs, does not improve the rank of this story. Pleasant enough, but not one of the milestones in Doctor Who history. Again, note the alternation in this season between science fiction stories and historical stories. And so following this, we have the Aztecs, which is another very good historical story, 
that has the TARDIS materialize in Aztec, Mexico, prior to the Spanish conquest, when the Aztecs were at the height of their power. It is interesting that they directly tackle the issue of human sacrifice, which of course both the Aztecs and the Maya were known to do. Barbara finds an ornate bracelet and puts it on, only to discover that it is for the goddess, and she is now taken for being this goddess. She tries to use the power this gives her to stop the practice of human sacrifice, but discovers that the social inertia of this society is too powerful. The practice of human sacrifice would not stop until the Aztecs were basically wiped out by a combination of disease and conquest. Uh, this is a story well worth watching. Carol Ann Ford is mostly missing. Um, she got her vacation time during this story. But the other three all deliver great performances. This really is the exemplar of a great Doctor Who historical. Now, after the previous historical story, we get The Sensorites, which is a science fiction story set on an alien planet with an alien race. Those being the Sensorites, of course. It starts with the TARDIS materializing on a spaceship from Earth with two people who are apparently dead, but then it turns out they aren't. They have been placed in a catatonic state by the Sensorites. Then the door lock to the TARDIS is removed, stranding the travelers until they can get it back. It turns out the Sensorites have mental powers, and they communicate through Susan, who also now seems to have some unusual powers. Now, had the producers gone further with this idea, Carol Ann Ford might well have stayed with the show longer. Um, you know, she was originally hired in on the premise that she was going to be playing an, an alien girl with unusual powers and, you know, and then they decided, you know, really, we just want her to be a teenager who screams all the time. And so she got very disenchanted. Now, the costumes here are pretty hokey, but honestly, that's the case throughout classic Dr. Hugh. Uh... The basic plot is good, revolving around a people who are mostly transparently honest and trustworthy, but who have some evil appearing in their midst. But is the greater evil among the Sensorites or among the humans? And finally, after that science fiction story, an historical story. Um, and this time it's called The Reign of Terror, and it's set in revolutionary France during the ascendance of Robespierre. There is the first small appearance of outside locations shooting. Up until now, everything was shot in studio. Um, there would be more location shooting the next season, for instance, in the Dalek invasion of Earth. Uh, but this is uh, another good story with the ever-present uh, threat of the guillotine hanging over everyone which is pretty accurate for Robespierre's rule. Hartnell, in particular, shines in this story. This is a story with a couple of missing episodes, which I saw as reconstructions that used production stills in the soundtrack. Now, this brings us to the end of the first season of Doctor Who. Like any TV show, it is a mixed bag. There were some very good stories, and a few not so good. But this is where it all began. So, this is Ahuka for Hacker Public Radio, signing off, and as always, encouraging you to support free software. Bye-bye.
have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. Today's show was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hosting for HBR has been kindly provided by anhonesthost.com, the Internet Archive and rsync.net. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License.